brother, mi hermano, Nicolás, el doctor Quiñones. Thank you for having me. Muchísimas gracias. Salud. Salud. Thank you so much for doing this and agreeing to let me interview you. Rodrigo, thank you for having me. Um, I appreciate you wanting to talk to me about what I do. Uh, yeah, of course. I think not only do I want to talk to you, but I think that we can, a lot of people can learn a lot from the way that that you view the industry. You know, in the short time that we've met and the short time that we've we've been able to get to know each other a little bit, I think that I, what we're talking about is acknowledging or or appreciating the the sort of soul that some people can have in the world. For sure. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I feel like that's a, that's a, not giving you a great interview answer, but yeah, I don't have much more on that. I feel like there's a certain, there's certain people who see you um, from that angle. And I think that like certain people understand your soul and understand who you want to be. And those Absolutely. are important people in your life. Yeah. It's, it's, it's so hard now, you know, cause you've been talking all day and now it's like, we got to start this like, interview yeah. it's like oh well you know let's do this this way but nah, no nah. man I, I really appreciate you doing this i i was uh first of all i was really uh really shocked to to see not not shocked but uh i want to say uh like wow like super, like not I don't, taking it back taking it back but like how much you've done in such a like you're so young mm. you know what i mean like you're only like five six years older than me like mm. you've, you've really like you, you've you've established yourself and uh, I guess for those of you who don't know you, would you start just introduce yourself really quick and uh, for sure uh, and what you do? Yeah. My name is Nico Quinones. Uh, I'm a filmmaker, and I Doctor Quinones. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I'm a filmmaker. I, I began um, making movies when I was little, really little. I say movies, but of course, like that's what they were to me. That's what they were in my head. Um, but they weren't necessarily, you know, they weren't funded. They weren't anything like that. But I started making them when I was very little. Started working at a television station when I was young. I told you the story of. Um, Calling when my parents were going through a divorce, I called the local owner of a television station. I was living in Park City, Utah, and uh, and I asked him for a job. And he thought it was like a little girl because of my voice. And he's like, well, "How old are you?" And I was like, "I'm 11." And he's like, "Well, I can't hire you. That's illegal." And I was like, "Well, you don't have to hire me. You don't have to pay me. You can kick me out if I get in your way." And he's like, "All right, well, come by on Friday." And I ended up going by the station, and then I ended up working at the station from when I was 11 until I was 16. I shot for the station, I edited for the station, I hosted a show for the station. Um, and it was always this funny thing that they would say like, oh, let's go to the control room. Our 12 year old intern, Nico is back there. <laughs> or like our 13 year old intern, you wow. know, so. That's um, beautiful. But I always wanted to make movies, always wanted to get involved and uh, ended up working with Spike Lee as we talked about so, a little bit. So before we get to that, uh, sorry for interrupting. Yeah, sure, sure. But uh, I, I didn't want to, you know, touch upon that because I think, and, and I didn't want to ask, so when you, when you reached out to this, uh, to this because i know your dad's also has his uh like uh he has his uh my dad is a journalist he does a show exactly, his name is john quinones exactly um, and he no, does as, a, as a journalist so it's interesting to me that you called when you tell us like you called the the, the radio to see if you could get a job you know what oh I mean? yeah like that that's what i wanted to ask you oh about. and i mean and i knew that that guy the other part is this is kind of speaks to the, the type of way i thought as a kid i had a chip on my shoulder and I knew that that guy would not know my dad. I knew that for a fact, this guy, Stanton Jones, a Mormon guy living in Park City, Utah, was not going to know John Quinones, John Juan Manuel Quinones, mm -hmm. a, a journalist who, you know, Hispanics might be very proud of or, or Mexican-Americans might be very right. proud of or Cuban-Americans might be very proud of. But this guy in Utah was not going to know my dad. Um, and it was an assumption. 
but it was a safe assumption because he didn't know my dad. Okay, so so my, my apologies. Let's go back. Um, so you reached out to this person who didn't fucking know you. Just found a number. You called him, and you were like, "Hey." I found his card. Yeah. You found his card. I want to work for you. I I just you were yeah. Park Park City Television. I lived in Park City, okay. and it was Park City Television. And and he was like, "Who the fuck is this kid?" <laughs> yeah, bro. Like that story to me is so inspiring. You know, because I think that a lot of people in our situation would have been like, hey, let, me, let my dad give me a job, especially you right. who had a dad in the industry. And that's right. why I wanted to, to clarify it, you know, because I don't want to make an assumption of you. And I don't want people or an audience, our audience to make an assumption of you either. Yeah. In the sense of like you, you, you that's why I talk about that soul. You know, you mm. like, you, you reached, you like, someone told me once, a great friend, uh, Rosenberg Rivas, who's a great artist. He, you know, he mentioned that no hay que ser metido en nada en la vida. You don't have to be, uh, you don't have to butt in anything in life. Salvo lo que te interesa, lo que quieres hacer. Except what you want to do, what really, ins what inspires you, what, what you, you know, it's like in theater and stuff like that. So the fact that you reached out as a young age, that that's really remarkable, bro, because you probably could have gone to your dad and been like, hey, can I work for you? Of course. Yeah. Of course. That, it and that says part a of lot of, of, of you, and like, as you were fucking 11 or 12. Yeah. Right? No, thank you, man. And and I mean, and yeah. and you're right, though. But it does. She say, used to fucking that. Yeah, but it says something to. Um, I think my wiring too, because yeah. that's the way that I was just wired. Was that I wanted to, I wanted to prove something. I had a lot to prove, and that was something you know. I, I wanted to do your thing. Um, I wanted to. I had a lot to prove. I wanted to make sure that when I. Um, that was my reaction. That was my way of dealing with something that felt like a lot of adversity. Yeah. Felt really scary. It felt like my life was falling apart. So I felt like it was time to go to work. Yeah. Dude, that's that's a that's a great fucking story. I mean, you're that I mean that's like that's like that's the type of story that's like a movie story, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> the, the coming of a the becoming of a of, of yeah. a little Yeah, and yeah. I used to like and it was like a movie like in my head too, because I, I would ride my bike, imagine to do the morning show every day before middle school. Or every no, sorry, Monday, Wednesday, Friday before middle school. You're not so, a Mormon, right? No, I'm not Mormon. This is in Utah, by the way. In Utah, it's not like in LA or anywhere. Like this yeah. motherfucker reached out. It's in Park City, Utah, where Sundance Film Festival is. So sun sometimes there is a bit of an independent film scene, but mostly it's a very quiet, small town in Utah. Well, I, I, and like, well, yes, and I mean, and I mean, I mean, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful town. It's no, very like, no, no, I disagree with that because it's. I feel like it's one of the most. You're calling my hometown not beautiful. No, on the contrary, I'm calling it the most one of the most cinematic places on earth. Yeah, uh, because it has that. You know, you have the. I've I've lived there for I lived there for a bit. I went to, in Park City. Not Park City, but around Park City. Yeah. Oh really? Wow. Yeah, we talk about that later. Shit. But uh, it off was, the record. Yeah, it was it was a great time, uh, and and I was I was well, I can we can go more into detail. Yeah, of course. Park City, I mean, but but I was I was living in uh I was I was doing boarding school that was like outdoor sporting school so it was fucking amazing and you could like we went skiing we went climbing like i wow. would go to the, the, the little Adiron no not Adirondacks. what's the name of the Adirondacks are in new york but um little in the big wasat or no big big cottonwood canyon little cottonwood canyon big and little yeah we, i went there all the time it was, it was amazing for and sure. then you also have the desert area right for sure which is where kubrick filmed a lot of his 2001 space odyssey in Utah. Yeah. Oh, in the salt flats. Yeah, in the salt flats. Yeah. And and there's, and there's a, a lot of car lot, commercials. Shut shut off. A lot of production there because yeah. it's so. And I mean, arches too. We made a movie. Yeah. When I made my sorry, what were you say? No, please. When I made my thesis movie called Homeward for NYU, when we finished when I finished film school, we we shot out there 
And it was funny because Arches, we shot in Arches National Park, the Red Desert, right. which is gorgeous, but they shoot so many car commercials there. So mm -hmm. they were so used to film crews. And Bro, have, you, have you ever been to Antelope Island? I have. I have. That I swam fucking... Bro, that... I mean, that area, I mean, oh my God. I remember being on my way. I, I love... I like Alta and like... Uh, mm. Parks and like that. Canyons mm. is all right. <laughs> I agree. But you used to have a really good student deal. They used to have a student deal. That's why I went. I got a season pass there for like seventy nine bucks. You do the same thing. That's that's exactly why I went. All right, all right. So it doesn't. That's what I'm saying. You're not getting a student. So we both did all right. We both got a deal. Cheers that. But the here, the thing is with them is like when I went, they just don't have any snow, man. Like every time I went, it was like pretty pretty bad snow. Yeah. But that's not the point. The, the Antelope Island, though, man, I remember going there. And I was like, what? Well, first photography class I ever took, actually. And I remember going there with a photography class. And I was like, what? Like, I, it looked, I remember The Simpsons. Have you seen The Simpsons yeah. movie? The movie? Yeah. R remember when they're getting to Alaska and they're like about to crash their car and the, and the map goes on the, on the shield? And they're like, oh, and they're trying to take it off, and they take it off, and they're like, oh, and they're trying to take it off again, and it's like, oh shit, and it's like the real picture. That's how it felt, bro. It's yeah. like it, it is literally what your water bottle looks like, yeah. <laughs> and like it's, it's so fucking gorgeous. <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck? Like the mountain is just reflecting on the water and everything. Oh, mm. I mean, I'm sorry. That's mm. there's places like that or, or Salt Lake or something. It's just so beautifully scenic. And I think people don't really take advantage of that because they're like, "Oh, Mormon country." Yeah. <laughs> not, no. <laughs> no, no, no. And I mean, so so I used to I used to go every. You're not Mormon, right? I'm not Mormon, and yeah. I used to go every morning to the station, and you know that station wasn't Mormon or anything. It was it was a non yeah. it was non religious. It was just doing uh, the local news. So I would go every morning before middle school or Monday, Wednesday, Friday, yeah. and I would ride my bike down in the dark and five in the morning down to with a little flashlight on my bike down to the television station. Yeah. And I would do the morning show. And my mom and I always talk about the story about like Red Bull was a sponsor of, of Park City Television for some time. And one morning I tried Red Bull for the first time at like six in the morning and I was 12 or something. So imagine I drank a Red Bull and I was like, this shit is awesome. And I, I drank like <laughs> two more Red Bulls. And then my mom, and then I got in, in the car for ready for school. It's like, doo, 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 doo. and my mom was like, what, that? what happened to you? Um, so anyways, but the station was a good time in my life and it was very formative. It was very, yeah. it was a time where I learned just a lot from people who were older than me and played the role of an apprentice and got comfortable in the role of an, an apprentice who was learning. Like an apprentice who, right. who could have had something to bring to the table as well. Uh, fuck, I don't know. You're Sorry, I know it's kind of gross, but go ahead. Uh, well, I was just going to ask, uh, can you, can you talk a little bit about the next step? Like when, when you reached out for like, how did you get that spike opportunity? And before we start, show the letter. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. There's a letter that it's I've said, right no, I put it up, put it over there. Um, there's a letter, there's a letter that, um, that I hold on to that was at the end of my spike internship. It just says two words. It's like, dear Nico, thank you, <laughs> Spike Lee. And I keep it framed in my office cause it's important to me. Um, but to earn that thank you and to earn that was a big yeah. deal in my life. And I think and, and to, and to get to, to get there was a big deal. And the way that happened to answer your question was one time I was in New York, I was at dinner with some friends and I started telling my story to this woman. I told her the story, uh, her name was Ty, uh, Tybee. And I started telling Tybee about myself and 
about my story in Park City, about working for the station, about working for this Mormon guy, about all the stuff we were just talking about. And she's just like, at, after listening to me for like 15 minutes, I'm like really intently, she's like, you should really be my friend Spike. And I was like, like Spike Lee? And she was like, yeah, Spike Lee. And I was like, well, cool. And, uh, and, uh, and what ended up happening was, what ended up happening was I said she was friends, not with Spike, but with Jason Lampkin, who's Spike's right hand, who's okay. worked with Spike Lee since he was 17 years old. And he, um, you know, I, I reached out to Jay. Jay went through everything of mine, my resume, everything I had done. He interviewed me, all that stuff. And then I started when I was 17 at Spike's wow. office. And their point was basically, Again, look, this is not your own merit. And like we're talking about, yeah. like you just like putting your, and we talked before about putting yourself out there. We can go back to that. But that's, yeah. that's really remarkable. Man. And, and I mean, what's remarkable about Spike too, is like going beyond anything that I had to say. And part, part of why I became this way was that Spike was like, I don't, care who your dad is like it's, you know like and, and he didn't he never said those words but it, that was always the tone was like i don't care who your dad is you're going to show up you're going to roll up your sleeves you're going to do some hard work this is not going to be you know hanging out with me and taking pictures on the red carpet this is going to be hard work and if you're willing to do that and if you're willing to sweat then i'll learn your name and, and eventually i'll thank you you know yeah. so um so it was an exciting time and 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 he's such a an amazing human being. One of the first days. Do you know uh, he's black? I'm sorry. Do you know he's black? <laughs> Spike. Yeah. What do you mean? Do I know he's black? Yeah, I just found that out like yesterday. Oh. oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I, I um, I found that out. Uh, I, thought I he was still Jewish. haven't found that out. I, I, I thought, still haven't found that out. I thought he was Jewish. He's yeah. Cuban. Uh, <laughs> uh, but um, bro, he's such a beast. Like yeah. legitimate. I, I told you. I told you. I, I am joking, people. Relax, don't cancel me. Uh, I, I told you about the story uh, with, you know, Giancarlo Esposito. Yeah. He came to university in Syracuse, and, and, and I was, I mean, just blown away at the, at the, at the, this is why I was blown away, because when he went in and he started, yeah, he started talking. First of all, I really related to him as when, when he started talking about his cultural heritage, you know, because he's someone that's. He's got so many influences. I'm pretty mm. sure he's like Italian and his mom's like from some, some somewhere in Latin America and then like he's black and so he's got so much like me, you know, Latino, Salvador, German, and then I got some Arab in me as well, you know. And and when he was talking about in his art finding who he really is through all those mm. cultures and everything. Mm. And like that's one of the things that I really fucking love about Spike Lee is how much work he puts in for 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 you know, for, for, damn, for, for, for that soul, yeah. you know, not only for him, for his soul artistically, but for his soul, you know, for the, for his community, for, for anyone who yeah. fucking can relate to, you know, when he was a kid and, and, and you know what I mean? Anyone who grew up like him. Exactly. And I think Spike, but it's also like, the, which is also something, you know, why, and I want you to continue, but which is why I, when I told you Liguzano was so much for me is because of that. Because I, I saw the same thing in John, you know, in John Leguizamo. It was like he did that for me as a, as a Latin kid. Where I was like, oh, nadie nunca va a ser un cineasta. Hmm. I was like, hmm. wow. But what were we going to say about Spike? Sorry. No, it's that like he, um, there's something universal about being authentic with yourself where it's like he's only telling his story. 
but that rings true to a lot of people um, because it's truth. It's truth. He's speaking authentically. He's speaking yeah. genuinely. And I think that's something that, um, you know, some people also mistake. Some people think that Spike Lee is too loud. Some people think he's too, too culturally, uh, he's making too much of a political statement. But having said that, it's like his, his name is Shelton Lee. And one of my first days as an intern, I was like, I went over to his business manager, Heather, and I was like, who's a boss? And I was like, Heather, um, is there a Shelton Lee that works here? And she's like, that's Spike. Um, and I was like, ooh. Like, and uh, and uh, I knew his like brothers and sisters that worked there and stuff. And so, but his mother, I mean, his grandmother named him Spike. So oh, it's yeah. like, it's like his, there's, a per, there's an element of his personality that is cantankerous, that is tough. Um, and I think that's part of who he is. And I think that's something that's like part of the artist he is, part of the way he presents himself. He's also very loving and he's also, he'll respect you and he'll thank you if he, if he believes that you deserve it. And so, um, but he's a tough cookie and he, and he's a tough cookie for a lot of NYU kids because a lot of NYU kids have been told they're very, very special and that they're very, very like You're in, fucking special. important. Well, <laughs> but, but a lot of NYU kids have been told they're very special and they're very important. And a lot of times they meet Spike. And Spike will knock them right off their high horse. Spike is like, great, like, you're welcome. Yeah, and, and, and when I say you, yeah, I I love people who just come in with energy. Yeah, you know, talking about Mike's got energy, and like you just like immediately feel like authentic people. Mike's Mike's got energy. I'll tell you a story about Mike. He showed up for my uh, brother's bachelor party, and here in Miami, we had half of my brother's bachelor party in Canada, and half of my brother's bachelor party here in Miami. When we got here to Miami, Mike came to pick us up and he pulls up in a jeep gets out of the jeep tears away he has pants on and <laughs> tears away his pants yes. he had a american flag speed bald eagle yes. speedo on yes at, at miami international <laughs> airport my brother um and i was filming too so it's like it's all captured on camera i can get you that and get you that shot if you need oh, please, my office podcast, my office would be happy to take care of getting you that shot so oh, um but he's dude, laughing right now i can hear it <laughs> <laughs> he's gotta be <laughs> but, uh, but dude yeah so that was definitely um a very mark and, and he, he definitely brings a lot of energy to to the table that's awesome all right so uh just just for sake of time let's, sure. you know let's talk a little bit about it. so you know when you were talking about one of the things that 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 uh that i also really took note about what we, our conversation was you starting your own production pretty young Right. Yeah. You said you started help with 16. Is that right? Um, so t 2016, but 2016. I started, but I started it when I was, when I was like 12 or 13 in, in, in Utah. Uh, right. I started it very, very young, um, with a lawyer, my mom, I went and asked and just created an LLC, started my company. But in 2016 is when I, is when I quit doing other jobs in film and in earnest devoted all of my time to Quinones productions, to awesome. QP, to running my family's production company which was mine uh, and I called it my family's, but it was very much my endeavor yeah. and very much my pursuit. And uh, yeah, so I started doing that in 2016 and in 2018 we became profitable. So I think that just from a business standpoint was a very difficult feat and yeah. something I'm very proud of because a lot of businesses fail within the first five years. In school, in school, I think like I had that perspective. I always wanted to work while I was in school. I didn't want to not work for others. I, I wanted to have a boss. That's what Spike taught me too. Was like I liked being an apprentice. I liked learning from other people. I liked learning from other people's processes. I liked learning taking notes from people. So that was what I started to do. You know, I just worked for others, helped empower other directors, helped empower other filmmakers, helped empower other producers, and that was something that 
meant a lot to me, and that's pro- ends up playing into the company later on. Mm-hmm. Um, NYU, I loved. I loved my time there. I never thought I would leave New York in a million years. I never thought I would leave New York. But what happened was I was working lighting. I was a. I had a career in lighting that's design. That's right. I was a head lighting designer. I was working for a lot of uh, union jobs. I was doing TV shows. I did Victoria's Secret. I did The Jinx for HBO, which was a great documentary about Robert Durst, who was a series um, by Andrew Jarecki, who's an amazing director, um, one of my favorites. And so working in conjunction with people like that um, was a career. It was it was my life and it was a lot of fun. And then and it was a lot of work. And so eventually I just started started to realize, you know, I don't think this is what I want. I think I'm a lighting designer because I like hiring people. I like executing a mission with a team. And that's more of the skill set of a producer or of a director because mm-hmm. I liked leading. I didn't like necessarily lighting design. I didn't mm-hmm. like being a gaffer. And so that's when I realized I kind of had to rebrand. And at the same time, I was getting, when people would from New York or LA would come to Miami, they'd be like, we're going to Miami. We don't do in Miami. Isn't, oh, they'd be like, oh, isn't Nico from Miami? And they'd be like, let's call Nico. Like he might know. And now they would ask. And so then I realized, man, if I had a little shop in Miami that could provide some firepower, like that would be pretty cool. And eventually I, I set off to to go and build that shop, to, to go down to Miami, move to Coconut Grove, spend a lot of time really lonely alone in a coffee shop, just building my business. And um, eventually it, it, it did get that firepower. So, um, couple things uh talk about being uh finding in a sense the opportunity in miami because there's there's i mean there's maybe a handful of production companies it's 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 like it's when you say new york la right it's like yeah you you those are the places where i would undoubtedly say there's a ton of talent there's a ton of work so it's like you do want to go there and you want to cut your teeth that's where you want to go and it's like if you could work here you can work anywhere right like if you can if you can survive new york you can survive anywhere type of thing that was i I very much feel that way but having said that afterwards when you're thinking about something else I never advise people based on, I never advise people to go to a place because I think that's a mistake. I think it's a mistake to think I'm going to go to New York, I'm going to go to LA, I'm going to go to Atlanta. And once I get there, Hollywood's going to be waiting on me. Like that's not going to, I mean, in my opinion, that's not going to happen. That wasn't my experience. So my thing is go where you think you can position yourself to do something. Uh, And that's how I felt about Miami is I was like, huh, I know people from Miami. I'm from Miami maybe in Miami I could get I could convince some brands to let me make some commercials no I I, I, I think that that's that's pretty brilliant you know I think that and it goes to show that you really put that uh, not trust but like you put I think that a lot of people I bet I, I, I bet on myself you bet and it was it was a very but it I was think that's the most important thing that you can do but it's an important thing to not breeze over because you get on you could see a bunch of TED talks or get on a bunch of these podcasts right now and everyone's gonna be like bet on yourself man get out there and bet on yourself yeah. okay that's a scary thing to do <laughs> so like from, from experience all I would say is that betting on yourself is really scary because for a while you're wondering did I fuck up yeah. You're while you're wondering like and at least in my case you're wondering that it, it didn't just go from like I made the jump and then all of a sudden I was cooking and I was a right. director. There was a long time in there that was lonely and quiet. Right. So so I would to, to yeah, 
but the, to that I would say that you know as as young guys you know and, and, oh, and, we're, we're, and less young and quiet I would say yes less young and quiet than other people like other people have been through a lot longer right. phases of, but, but of as, 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 as any young person anyone who's under 30 especially if you're not married if you're not if you're single and if you don't have any kids or any real responsibilities like you know fuck getting a dog man fuck like just do what you want to do because like if you're just gonna get more and more responsibility man. like the older you get you get more if you have a dog you got more if you got a girlfriend you got more you know what i mean and if you don't take that t- it, and what i mean is more to lose yeah that makes sense like yeah. you got more to lose yeah you, you do have a kid you have to provide for that yeah and you, you can't, can't take just, those gambles you anymore. can't just take those gambles because you have you know you have to feed them up and that's fucking scary yeah but when, uh, when someone my age who's got nothing to lose in the sense of like, yeah, they can eat shit and like, you know, I've been in a situation where I have to, bro, I've eaten like hard-boiled eggs for fucking weeks. You know what I mean? I'm like, fuck it. Like, not to laugh at your pain, but... Yeah, bro. Like, but it's because you want, but I mean, it's like... It's not because I want to. But I mean, no, no, I'm saying, but I'm saying you, you, you wouldn't do that to another is I think your point. Your point is that if you had the responsibility well, of somebody else... But no, what I'm saying is that that's like, what I'm saying is that the when you don't have the responsibility of someone else, it's almost bullshit to say I'm afraid or like it's not worth like you gotta take those gambles. You know, because then mm. you just like life it, like you said, no, no, life is short. Mm. And then like if, if you don't take those opportunities, those green lights like McConaughey talks about, like if you don't take those moments of like right now, maybe you're on There's a potential. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, oh, but I'm miserable in this fucking town. Well maybe it's time to move. Yep. Or whatever, whatever it is, like, take those when you can. Swing, yeah. Yeah. And I think that, that when you talk about betting on yourself like that, it's like, dude, you went to Miami. Like, it's such a, like, what I heard about you years ago from from from, uh, from Andres, which, you know, thank you so much, Andres, for, you know, putting us together. But, like, that's the thing that really stood out. He's like, Andres was like, oh, he's doing his own thing, you know. Hmm. Like, I was like, what do you mean? You know, like, he's doing, it's like, damn. And, and I was talking about Esposito before, like Giancarlo Esposito is like the thing that amazed me about him is like he, he's an actor, but he also writes and he also directs and he also produces. And like, that's the type of thing that, dude, a lot of people, like, I hate, if you're multi-hyphenate, okay, but if you call yourself aspiring multi-hyphenate, you're full of fucking shit. Like, that's one of the worst words that you can possibly, like, yeah. no, bitch, like, do things, like, do yeah. stuff, and then eventually you'll just be, like... You know, like actually, so skillful and so useful that it, you know that's that's what people. That's I think that's what people want. Yeah. Filudo, you know what that means? What? Sharp, sharpened. Yeah. Filudo, sure. like that's sure. what you want. Yeah. For sure. Um. Yeah, I think about that a lot. Like that, that that's what I was doing. That I was sharpening my teeth, and that, mm. and I wasn't waiting for anyone. That was a big part of it. Was like I feel like some people that are artists have the luxury of waiting. They have the luxury mm. of saying, "I don't want to do commercials. I don't want to do that. I'm just going to wait until that perfect script comes along." And it's like I think that mainly takes a trust fund. I think that mainly takes the ability to not yeah. work and spend a long time thinking. And that's not really ever been of interest to me, as you can tell, since I was a little kid. I liked working, so. For me, I wanted to have work. I wanted to have the ability to feed a family or the ability to feed myself or the ability to have commercial viability like a lot of the directors like Spike, Fincher, mm-hmm. um, uh, Scott. All right, so all tell people. me this David Fincher story. This right? David Fincher story I love uh, because David Fincher is highly technically competent. Right. So I like the fact that he's technically competent 
um, because of the way that I've come up. I can't. I started as a production assistant and I've come up through the ranks. So I don't profess to know everything on set by any right. stretch of the imagination, but I do know a lot. And I've been around since I was a little kid. So one of the things that I like about David Fincher is a story I heard. I'm not sure. I might be misquoting whether it's a male or female actor. But the actor was basically a big deal. And they were saying that they were done. And Fincher is notorious for doing a lot of takes. Fincher is notorious for doing like 70 takes on like, like to begin. And like yeah. he'll do a lot of takes. And on, at one point, on Fincher was doing <laughs> uh, Maybe even on film with Fincher. Um, nice to have that budget. Yeah, exactly. He's, he's got the keys to the castle now. He earned them. So, so he, so anyways, but he, he does the, uh, at one point, an actor told him that they had it, like she, she, that it was enough, like that, like already we got it, David. And David was like, "No, we didn't. Let's go again, please." And <clears throat> this was a digital film, and they're like, "No, we didn't. Uh, like we got, we already got it. It's done." And David goes and he reaches over to the camera, goes into the menus on the camera, formats the card, deletes everything that was on the card. Yeah, reaches to the camera himself and does it himself with his hands, <laughs> and then says, and then says to her. I just formatted that card. There's nothing on there. Would you like to do it again? <laughs> and uh, and to me, I just sort of like, man, Fincher. Even if that is an urban legend, like it's one I look up to. Can so. I tell you one of the best stories I've ever heard? Sure. Uh, Hedgehog. He was filming. Warner. Yeah, he was filming.